HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. In the Sauce is brought to you by Oatly, the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden that's now making their oat milk on this side of the Atlantic. For more information, go to Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported food radio network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. Join our hosts as they lead you through the world of craft brewing, behind the scenes of the restaurant industry, inside the battle over school food, and beyond. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Allison Kane, and welcome to In the Sauce, a podcast about building consumer brands from the ground up. I love doing this show because I get to interview everyone from production gurus to marketing and social media mavens, anyone who can guide me on this crazy journey. This is the story of building Haven's Kitchen sauces, but it's also the story of every growing brand because we're all in the sauce. Today, I'm speaking with Kadeem Oh, founder of Mama O's Kimchi, the brand that took the staple Korean fermented condiment and made it mainstream. I'm really excited you're here today, Kadeem, because I feel like we both have, I wouldn't say totally esoteric, but I would say sort of innovative products that aren't necessarily like your average cookie or refrigerated beverage or uh, cracker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that has both big assets and also some liabilities that we're trying to navigate. So you've been doing this for some time, and I'm psyched that you're here. Awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, happy to talk about uh, uh, what uh, we manufacturers and producers call living the dream. <laughs> you say that with like <laughs> this like stone face on. Like he, I think, means that somewhat ironically. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know. I mean, it's 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 great uh, to to be you know pursue your 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 passion and your dreams, but it's just not all, you know, wine and roses. Yes. I hope that the people listening to this are getting sort of a fair um, picture of, you know, I just, it's, I think that this is episode 54 and over the last 54 episodes, hopefully there's been, you know, you've heard sort of inspiring, but you've also heard like, this is not to be sort of jumped into blindly. I was reading something today that it takes that 80%, and this is um, from a consultant that I follow on LinkedIn named James Richardson. And he said that, um, you know, we all hear about these statistics about small businesses failing and Mm. don't, don't try that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And everyone does it anyway, because we all have something in us that just makes us really want to do it. But the, the real data is that only 20% of food and beverage CPG brands break $500,000 in sales. Right. And that it's actually, you know, getting past that 500,000 is a massive hump, but it's not like once you're there, you're home free because then the next big hump is, you know, the million dollars in sales. And there, it gets kind of the percentage of failure likelihood gets smaller as you kind of cross each threshold. But that's a pretty big one. You know, 80, 20 is, is big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that ratio seems to hold hold true to a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. And uh, but even if you cross the million or cross the three million yep. threshold, 
doesn't mean you'll, you'll be here tomorrow. Right. But there are things that you can do to try to make sure that you are or plan as best as possible. And um, we're going to get into some of those. But before we do, we're going to talk about you as a small boy. Yay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you grew up in Maryland. Yep. Yep. Silver Spring. And what were you... I know that your primary like life choice has been DJ musician. Mm-hmm. Um, musician? DJ, DJ. Uh, DJing's all I ever wanted to do, and then when you were little too. No, no, no. When <laughs> I was little, all I wanted to do was skate, so I just skated. Got it. Uh, skateboarding. Yes, yeah, of course. I'm very and, hip. And and then I went to college, and uh, my freshman year, after my freshman year, I uh, spent it in in New York with my sister, mm-hmm. and uh, I went to. Northeastern in Boston, which was terrible. But anyhow. Um, <laughs> but it's known as like a very entrepreneurial school. It's like you're supposed yeah. to, everyone has like active internships there. And like, it's like, yeah, a, that, that's like actually a professional what, place. Yeah, that's what attracted me to the, the, right. the school because it was a co-op program. So right. you go to school half the time and, and work, work half the time. Yeah. But it was in Boston. Yeah. And I know. Enough said. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I was... Um, I spent the summer in New York, and that's when I got introduced to uh, DJing and DJ culture. And uh, after that, I was like, this is what I want to do. And you've had a lot of success doing it. I mean, you've like mm-hmm. really built a career doing it. It's, it's pretty crazy. I've been fortunate that this is what I've done, playing records in uh, places such as the Kennedy Center, yeah. uh, all around the world, um, in different ways. Uh, in clubs, as theater, uh, we we actually uh, the play that I was in, a rhyme deferred. We uh, were one of the originators of hip hop theater, and what is now say Hamilton right. or Freestyle Love Supreme, which is on Broadway right now. I've heard that's amazing. By the way, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, and my friend Ukarsh, who's in who's in my band, the Beatards, uh-huh. he's uh, one of the principals. Oh, in the that's play. so cool. Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so, okay. So all that is going well. You're living your life. You're in New York. You're DJing. You're making money. You have like a whole thing. And you just like were hankering for your mom's kimchi. Is this how this whole thing happened? Yeah. I just, um, I had a craving for kimchi and all the <laughs> stuff in the stores was terrible. What was in the store? This was 2009. Yeah, yeah. So what was in the, st- was it just... There it's, wasn't a brand. There's thing. a couple brands. Yeah. I mean, we don't that have are to still, throw yeah. them under the bus. Right. Yeah. That, are, that are still out there. <laughs> and uh, the problem was that the flavor profile, it either uh, was too sweet, watered down, not fermented at all. Right. Uh, and so I was just, I thought that it was terrible. And, and I also uh, wanted to learn how to make it because. Uh, I wanted to keep that, you know, part of my uh, my uh, heritage alive. Right. So it was a big part of your life growing up. Like, did you have kimchi th- twice a day? Three. I mean, how like when, you know, like growing up, probably like at least once at dinner. Right. And then uh, after you move to college, then, you know, you just stop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Stop. Basically eat whatever is on, the, on your meal plan. Right. Um, and then, um, there wasn't really a lot of, uh, kimchi options available. So I just asked my mom to teach me how to make it. And, uh, I would take the Chinatown bus. I know. I read that somewhere and like the image of you just getting on the bus and learning how to do kimchi on the weekends and then taking the bus back. (laughs) It's like a very good image. I just pictured like the, you know how your label has like, the kind of cartoony oh, like, yeah, drawing, like yeah. I pictured, like a bus oh, with like, like dotted the, lines, yeah, going exactly, and, like it. the yeah. puff, puff <laughs> kind of. Um, you on the bus, getting off the bus, getting back on the bus. But so you would go. So how long did it take you to learn how to make the kimchi? Uh, I would do that. <clears throat> I did that for a few months, so going back and forth, probably about three or four times. Right. And and I'm yeah. like, I'm not an expert, obviously, in kimchi. Um, but tell me a little bit, like, how, what the process is. Like, you're you're mixing. It's not always just cabbage, mm-hmm. right? Is it? it it's, it's not like, always just cabbage. There's uh, kimchi. Actually, means uh, 
pickled vegetable in Korean. Okay. Uh, but the when you talk about kimchi, mostly you're usually talking about Napa cabbage. Yeah. However, there's daikon radish, uh, perilla leaves, sesame leaves. Mm. Uh, you can kimchi almost anything. If it's a vegetable, you can uh, probably kimchi it, but don't use potatoes. Got it. Like it blows up? No, just raw potatoes okay. aren't, aren't that good All for right. you. Okay. So then the process is similar to making a pickle. Like you're, are you boiling a liquid and then letting, just letting it ferment and produce? Yeah, no, no. Right. So it's actually, uh, it's, it's a little different from that. It's everything's, it's a, it's a raw product. Nothing's heated over 115 degrees. Oh, interesting. And so it's, it's all just natural lacto fermentation. So, uh, to walk you through Napa cabbage, you take cabbage, quarter it. Um, well, this is one way. This is mak kimchi. Mak kimchi means fast kimchi. Uh-huh. Uh, but it still takes the same time. But you, you take the cabbage, you quarter it, chop it into about inch and a half inch size pieces, uh, brine it in salt water overnight. Okay. Uh, there are actually two different ways. You can brine it or you can uh, sprinkle it with salt and then wash it off. Mm-hmm. But I prefer brining because it's it's more consistent and it's less labor. Right. Um <laughs> You'll know that that'll be a consistent theme. I'm gonna, I'm picking up on that, yeah. right? <laughs> and then, uh, um, uh, then after that, then you season it with the the chili powder, the salt, um, garlic, ginger, uh, green onions. Uh, there's a, it's a Korean parsley called minari. Mm. However, uh, uh, I use cilantro because um, I I actually like. I'm one of the people that like cilantro. I think it, right. it, it, you know, gives a little freshness boost to the flavor. And is that recipe the kind of thing that, like, from mother to mother, essentially, they have their own, like, but I use da 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 da, or oh, I yeah. use two tablespoons instead of one, and this makes my kimchi the best kimchi. Is it yeah. that kind of like? Well, the thing, the funny thing with kimchi is that there's the the recipe. I mean, I think it's like the the. The flavors pass down because when you make kimchi, it doesn't taste the same as when you make it as when you eat it. Right, because of it's, the fermentation. Right, because right. of fermentation it is changing on like the molecular level. Right. So, and everything is, it's, it's called sonma. It's like literally means uh, hand taste. Uh-huh. And so you're just doing hand measures. You like, you throw some salt in, you throw some sugar in, right. you mix it up, you taste it. And it needs a little bit more of this, a right. little bit more of that. And so kind of finding that that flavor yep because then it will turn into the flavor that you eventually eventually want. yeah so how long does it and then it just sits out and it does its thing on its own yeah you just you just let it sit room temperature a, a day some um and so the big you know story with kimchi is that it's it's buried in the ground and the reason the reason why is because kimchi is a is a ver- it's uh, an ancient food. Yeah. It predates man-made electricity. Yeah. So uh, burying it in the ground was a way to preserve it because if you live below the permafrost level, uh-huh. uh, anything below uh, the ground is not going to freeze. Right. Yet it's going to be, you know, cool. colder. Yeah. Know, cool in temperature. Do you do you ferment your kimchi underground? No. Okay. no. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. that's very artisanal of you. Yeah, but. yeah. That, that, once again, remember, I like yes, to do less I work. Was, right, so, of course, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, so after letting it sit maybe a day, room temp, then uh, we throw it in the fridge uh, so that it, it cold ferments. And uh, it's actually um, uh, better to do it that way, to just uh, immediately throw it in there. Right. And it'll take longer to ferment but your ve- vegetables will end up crisper. Crisper. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I'm, it's interesting because I had Alex um, on from Pilot, and mm-hmm. we were talking about, does it have an alcohol, like, is there any alcohol in it? Or mm-hmm. not really, because it doesn't produce that when it ferments. Right. It, 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 will, it will produce it, but it will take a very, very long time. Very long time, time. right. Yeah. And was there any issue with, like, so once, so you figured out how to make it, and then what was the decision? Instead of I'm just going to make this for me and my friends because mm. I'm craving it, to I'm going to try to put this in a package and sell it to restaurants and stores. Like, what was the logic there? Right. Well, it, there there was no real decision about that. It was kind of a, a spot decision. I um, 
I was buying some ribs from my butcher mm-hmm. to uh, make some kalbi, Korean barbecue. Yeah. And um, so you're a good cook. No. No, okay. I'm not. All right, cool. <laughs> I make a few good things. <laughs> I'm glad things. we got that <laughs> settled because you're talking and I'm getting no. hungry and that usually no. happens when I'm talking okay, to someone Okay, all right. Well, well now now, now <laughs> my girlfriend will say I'm a good cook. Okay, cool. Well, but, then, but then I then was not. not. Then okay. I was not. That's fair. Okay, yeah. so you're um, at your butcher and you're making, you know, ribs. So I'm buying some ribs and he, he's like, oh, you eat that with kimchi and rice, eating like a king. And uh, I'm <laughs> like... What, what do you know, 50-year-old Jewish guy with the right. ponytail? And right. he's like, oh, I used to work with Korean guys. I, I love this stuff. So I was like, <laughs> all right, cool. I, I make it. Uh, I'll bring some by. Ah. So I brought some by. I checked up on it. And I was like, what would you think? And he said, I love it. And this is exactly... How did you bring it to him? Like in a in a jar? Just in like a, like a, a Tupperware container. Okay. All right. And um, this is exactly what I said. I okay. said, you know, I sell this shit. Even though you didn't. Even though I didn't. Right. And then he said, I want to start carrying it. And then, <laughs> and so at that point, then I was like, oh, okay, I got to come up with the name. So that's insurance. fake it till you make it. Fake, yes, yes. I'm writing that down. Well, well, yeah, because I thought that there was potential for, right. because there's a void in the market. Yeah, for there, sure. There was any good kimchi there. But, well, it's, yeah. it's really interesting because like I'm, pic- all right, so I'm thinking like 2009, 2010, that is like the beginning of like the Brooklyn mm-hmm. boom yeah, a little bit. Totally. It's like jam makers and mustard and chocolate. Van Leeuwen right, ice cream. Totally. Um, and so I can see that, but it you what you could not have predicted at that time was this like newfound obsession with probiotics. Right. So that must have just been like a massive shift in your business. But we'll get there. We'll get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, I was totally lucky yeah. that that I, I, you know, rode this probiotic wave. Which as well. is, I mean, it, it it is something that like the American diet has been like sorely missing for a very long time. So that's. There are a lot of American kind of fad diets that I think candidly are just like kind of BS and mm. sort of like mm-hmm. made up. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it really isn't clinically proven in any way. But probiotics happen to be like very much cl- like a clinically proven thing, right. especially food based probiotics versus supplement based Ex- exactly. probiotics. So, yeah. all right, we'll get there though. So you were like, I sell this shit. And mm-hmm. then you had to go find out how to package it. You right. had to get insured. insured. You had to like figure out if it was legal. You had to get a logo. Yep. So how did you attack all of those things? And, and is there any advice you have, anything you wish you had done differently or anything that you actually feel like you did really right in those, in that sort of time frame that you would advise people who are listening? Huh. Did I do anything right? Um, (laughs) you know, I'm probably not the best person to get business advice on because I just, but it's been around for 11 years and it has lasted and it is doing well. So there is something in here that is worth digging around to find out what you think you did right. Sure. Sure. Okay. Well, probably the first right thing I did was, uh, Name it after my mom. Yes. I named it Mama O's in homage to my mom, Mama O. It was a very good call. Right. Yeah. Because I was tossing around names. I was like, my name's Kadeem, and my initials are OK. I was like, OK, Kimchi. And then, uh, yeah, that one quickly got, uh, (laughs) you know, got the boot. And then, um, so figuring figuring out a good name, uh, uh, something that, uh, you know, is relatable to people, and then uh, I, I didn't I didn't have any money when I started this. I started this with like 50 bucks just to buy a case of cabbage. Right. And then I had the, the skateboard to to wheel the, the cabbage home after I took the, the Chinatown bus uh, <laughs> back from D.C. because uh-huh. I, I couldn't afford a taxi. Wow. So um, I just enlisted all my my friends, talented Creatives. friends. Yeah. yeah. And. And you got your logo and you got your package design. Mm-hmm. And so, and then how did you figure out what was legal to sell in the state of New York? And, or did you not oh, really Oh, no, I, did, I didn't. Like, yeah. like everybody, I started in, in, you know, in my kitchen. Right. And which is totally illegal, yeah. uh, but everyone does it. Everyone does it. A- and um, I, I found out the only things that are legal in New York um, are uh, baked goods. 
So you can make cookies and cakes, and that's why like bake sales are legal. Oh, yeah. that's so interesting. Now mm. who's the Snapple? <laughs> Snapple cat. fat cat. <laughs> um, um, okay, so you so you bring him some jars. You uh, yeah, slap on a label. Mm-hmm. A sticker. A sticker. Yeah. It gets sold. Yep. He wants more. When did mm-hmm. you decide, all right, I should probably start figuring out how to make this a thing? Oh, man, that was probably like, well, okay, so it came down to, if you fast forward about two years later, mm-hmm. um, what I did was I, I bounced around, I, I, I couldn't make it in my in my building anymore, because every time I make it, the, the whole, I would light the whole building up, and the yes. whole building would know. And um, so I bounced around a couple of commercial kitchens in Brooklyn, but there it was just too expensive, and right. and commercial kitchens just didn't work with with what I did because right. the, the, the commercial kitchens are normally like eight hour shifts. Yep. Whereas I need you needed to, to just sit there, right. and do nothing, right? right? So my friends, my friend's husband offered me his restaurant in Woodbridge, New Jersey, to uh, make into a, like a production facility. No, no. He, oh, he just was, to use it. Yeah, just to oh, use his oh, space. Right. Oh, okay, yeah. Cool. So that's great. So I, I took up that invitation and I was making it out there, but that was really difficult because it took like three trains to get right. out there. Um, and by this point, did you have more than that one butcher? I had that butcher and Marlowe and Daughters. Mm-hmm. That was the second place I went to. Yeah. And they were mm-hmm. really on the cutting edge of a lot of stuff. Oh, yeah. They had yeah. like all of like the groovy kids early yeah. on. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, and then uh, foragers, so I probably had those right. those three three accounts, and you know I'm delivering it on the subway, you know, bringing a case right. on the train, uh, and you had to keep it refrigerated. Yeah, yeah. I Ish. mean, you know, <laughs> within four hours. Yeah, throw right. ice back on top. <laughs> right. Uh, but it was super super difficult because uh, do, trying to do all of that. It just wasn't really sustainable. Right. So um, at that point, I was um, either going, I was going to actually start a restaurant because I was going to start a restaurant with Eddie Huang, who, uh-huh. who did uh, uh, Bauhaus. Yeah. Uh, and we were going to do a restaurant together because I needed a place to make the make the kimchi. Uh, yet I, 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 I couldn't afford any rent anywhere. Right. right. But then... You know, the thing with restaurants, most of them, you know, go go under in, yes. within a year. And then if that happened, then both things would go under. Right. So what I ended up doing was I, um, my my parents suggested that I buy this uh, bodega in, in uh, Ridgewood, Queens, uh-huh. that uh, was pretty inexpensive, five figures, and uh, allegedly cash flow positive, allegedly. Uh-huh. And... Uh, and so, but they have a, a Schedule 20C license, so that meant they I could, could make produce. it there, yep. I could produce there, and then sell. So you would mm. run the bodega, that would yes. be a business that, that you would right. run, and you'd be selling all the stuff and like doing the normal sort right. of business, but in the back, the real business <laughs> would be right. making the kimchi. As right. long as this thing didn't lose money, you right. were fine. Right, and so that's, so for the first six months, it was just, I worked there every single hour was open from 6.30 in the morning till 10 p.m. at night, seven days a week, because I need to learn it. But even more importantly, because it was just me and the sandwich guy. Right. And, and like, I've never run a deli before. Yeah. I mean, that's, and then, I mean, you, you had to order stuff and like learn how to do inventory and yeah, and just to make the kimchi. But uh, yeah. And I couldn't even really order stuff because <laughs> I'd have to wake up extra early, go to Restaurant Depot, buy the stuff, right. get to the deli before 630. Um, this is a great story. It's, it's something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it, yeah, it's, it's much better, you know, in hindsight, in hindsight, in hindsight, in hindsight sure, sure. So, so when, so all of this is happening and something kept you going though, because clearly you felt like you were onto something or orders were starting to come in or people were saying, we want this, like what was driving you? I mean, you created like an entire life apparatus around this thing but the thing itself had to have been compelling. Um, yeah. Well, what was compelling was homelessness. 
Like, <laughs> but so the kimchi was keeping you like get paying you money. No, I no, mean, no. It still no. wasn't. It still wasn't making money that much That's money. But why I'm confused? It, it was the. I thought I thought it was a a good idea. Um, I thought it was I made a good product, and then. Um, once I was in the deli, that's when I got my first distributor. And so once I got a distributor, that, that's what uh, um, allowed me to scale up production. Because uh, when, um, before that, I was just going around and like making it and then delivering it everywhere. Right. And then once you, you get a distributor, then they come and pick it up. Right. And then they take it to all the stores. And for arguably, you. they can also help you find stores that will take it. Yeah, but most distributors really don't yeah, do that. They yeah, they might say they do. Yeah, yeah, but most don't. So here's the big question then. So when were you like, ah, okay, I have a real business. Like this is this is something now that works and I'm going to do it. Yeah, it's funny. I've been in business for about 11 years and I would say maybe it was about four years ago. Right. Which, by the way, according to James Richardson, <laughs> the same article that I read about uh. that 80%, he, it's, I don't, I'm going to misquote it, but it's basically like it takes 10 years for a company to like get to a place where it could potentially exit. That's like average. Mm -hmm. But it takes, um, like, that doesn't count like the three to four years that it takes just getting to that $500,000 part. Right. Um, so when we're going to take a little break, we're going to get mm -hmm. back and then we're going to talk about everything from that moment on. Sounds great. Awesome. In the Sauce is brought to you by Oatly, the vegan plant-based oat milk originally from Sweden that's now making their oat milk on this side of the Atlantic. About 30 years ago, in a small town in Sweden, a scientist invented oat milk, and everyone thought he was totally crazy. But remember, back then, vegans were weirdos on the fringes of society. Unlike today, when vegans are everywhere and include some of the world's most famous weirdos and non-weirdos on Earth. Actually, it is true that today more and more people in the U.S. and around the world are starting to understand the benefits of eating and drinking plants so their bodies feel good and the planet can cope better with the impact we humans place on it. So here's a sort of deep question. If 30 years ago people thought oat milk was a ridiculous idea, imagine how different people's beliefs about food could be in 30 years from now. Are we going to be looking back on our barbaric meat-eating ancestors of the early 2000s? Anyway, since this is an ad for Oatly, I should mention that one easy way to go more plant-based is just to switch from cow's milk to oat milk. It tastes really great, it foams really well, and you can just ask the baristas at Haven's Kitchen how popular it is. To find out more than you'd ever want to know about oat milk, go to Oatly.com. That's O-A-T-L-Y.com. Or look for Oatly on Instagram, at O-A-T-L-Y. Join Heritage Radio Network on Monday, November 11th for a raucous feast to toast a decade of food radio. Our 10th anniversary Bacchanal is a rare gathering of your favorite chefs, mixologists, storytellers, thought leaders, and culinary masterminds. We'll salute the inductees of the newly minted HRN Hall of Fame, who embody our mission to further equity, sustainability, and deliciousness. Explore the beautiful Palm House and Yellow Magnolia Cafe. Taste and imbibe to your heart's content, and bid on once-in-a-lifetime experiences and tasty gifts for any budget at our silent auction. Tickets available now at heritageradionetwork.org slash gala. I'm back with Kadeem O, founder of Mama O's Kimchi. Okay, so it's 2013. It's mm -hmm. been four years you feel like you have a business, you have a great mm -hmm. idea, you have a distributor. Are you still making it in the back of the bodega? No, that's that's <laughs> about the time that I moved into uh, the Pfizer building, which is where I am now. Okay, cool. Yeah, I've been there. It's very cool. It's like all these food entrepreneurs and just it's making yeah. amazing things. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so you got a space. Which is cool. Were mm -hmm. you did were you able to afford it with the proceeds from the from, kimchi? 
uh, I was able to do it from the sale of the sale of the the, of the, the bodega. Yeah. Ah, that's great. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. Um, I mean, basically, I just took the the money that I, I got from selling that, and it's. Let me tell. You, well, first of all, I lost money. I I, oh. I had to sell it at a loss, right. but I, I took whatever money I had left over from that, and um, I invested it in in building out the space. Amazing. And yeah. And the rent was still reasonable. And back then, yes, the rent was still reasonable. Right. And um, if if you'd seen my space, you'll 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 realize why I did a ten year lease of of I'm on the I'm on the top floor. I've probably an insane insane view of the Manhattan skyline. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. So And so what equipment did you need to build other than just like a lot of storage and refrigerated storage? Yeah, so I had to build the 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 walking cooler. I right. built that. Uh put in sinks, hot water heater, floor drain. Um right. I guess you're inspected by agriculture. Uh, Agamarkets, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting way to go. You didn't really have the opportunity to go to a co-packer. I mean, no one would have known how to do right. it, really. Yeah, 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 that's the thing. I mean, and I've even looked uh, in the not-too-distant past uh, for co-packers uh, because I was looking to scale up in, in certain ways, and there just aren't, aren't a lot there that, yeah. that, that can do it. That know how to do it. Know how to do it. Right. Yeah. So when you were... So when you... What was like the first big break? Was Whole Foods like the first big break? Yeah, yeah. I would say I would say Whole Foods was like probably the first big break because the, uh, once I started selling it in in the Northeast, yeah. Then I started doing all the all the salad bars for the Northeast. Oh, and that yeah that that was that was crazy. So like, can we talk about that for a second? Sure. Because that's actually something we don't talk about that often. A lot of times we end up talking about just like the retail packaged product. Right. But I think a lot of us have products that really do make sense for sort of like that food service piece, whether oh, yeah. it's like the whole food salad bar or, you know, a sauce at a fast casual place that doesn't want to spend the labor and the time making right. It. Do you did you think about that sort of? Did you have a strategy or a plan? Were you like this would make a good idea here, or was it something that kind of came to you and they're like, we'd like to have some kimchi and we think yours would be great. Yeah, it was, that that was basically it. I mean, right. just assume that there was no plan. You had no plan. Yeah, right. <laughs> just no plan ever. Do you have a plan now? Yeah, actually I do, and th- and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, because um, I think that's well. You're of, knee deep in, like you better yeah, get a plan now. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it, this exactly. has been like eleven years of uh, your life, my friend. Uh, yeah. After after this amount of time, right? Uh, you know, I'm 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 a slow learner, and so, <laughs> uh, but like I've had a lot of uh, life experience, and then it, it kind of comes back to me, and it's like, oh, actually, this makes sense. This makes sense. Uh, so, but. Um, so I'm all for uh, food service. I think food service is great. Yeah. You just you know slap a sticker on it, great send volume. it out the door. Yep. Volume is you know it's it's I think it's better to do more volume yep. than uh, than to have like a you know higher higher price. But well, let's yeah. talk about that just for a second because mm-hmm. the people listening tend to either be starting their own thing or they're right. kind of either where we are a little probably I would say a few steps behind. And where you are, right. where I am, I don't know where we are. Sure. Um, but there's there's kind of two ways to think about food service, or there I guess there's two ways to sort of think about the product. There's mm-hmm. like the brand and building mm-hmm. the brand and having people yes. know your name. Yes. And then there's the volume. Right. And just the the sheer number of pounds or you know ounces of whatever right. it is that you're making. Ideally, you're building both at the same time. Ideally, you're selling a lot and you're also getting the brand out there. In food service, sometimes people just, they don't care that it's like Haven's Kitchen Chimichurri, let's say. Uh They just need like a gallon of chimichurri in a bag so that they have it because they don't want their team in the back having to mince oregano and garlic and whatnot. It's probably going to be on our end, it's, it's not going to be at the price point per ounce right. that the retail product is. Right. It's also not going to do much to build the brand unless right. you have like a special arrangement where they say, and, you know, mama owes kimchi. Sure, Usually sure. it's just going to say kimchi. Right. Um, but so it's always like a little bit of a trade off. And there are people that are like, 
when you're early, focus on the brand, focus on the brand. And then uh, there are other people yeah. that are like, when you're early, focus on volume, focus on volume. No, no, I, I don't. I disagree with them. I, I, I'm with focus on the brand, focus yeah. on the brand, create the cult following. That's, right. that's what you have to do uh, or what you should do, right. uh, in my opinion, because uh, th- there's the thing. You, you have to make a, a product that is unique yeah. Because someone's always going to yeah. be able to come and undercut you on price. Right. Or you're yeah. making a commodity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So cult following. Yes. So that required you educating people who didn't know what kimchi was. And this yes. is why I think it's so helpful for me to meet you. Because we're people know what sauce is. They don't necessarily right. know what chimichurri is or romesco or harissa. Right. Um, and they certainly don't know why it's in a pouch and why it's mm. in the fridge. Mm-hmm. Like they've never seen that. So a lot of what our job is, is just really educating consumers. Like what is this thing in this pouch? Why is it orange? And what do I do with it? Right. So I feel like you have some experience sort of teaching people, what is this thing called kimchi? Mm. What do I do with it? Mm. You know, how, and how did you get it? Obviously you were, as we said before, your timing was really good Mm -hmm. because all things kind of global flavors for sure, Mm -hmm. especially global flavors that are also like functional and probiotic Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. You're riding a wave, which is great, but you also probably did a lot of work on your own, whether you're going to admit it or not to like educate people on what it is and how to use it and to build that cult following. Mm -hmm. So like, what did you do to make people love you? Right. Uh, so, well, but first of all, I want to uh, commend you on your, your packaging and Thank your you. aesthetics Thank because you. You, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that makes perfect sense because you squeeze it, you squeeze right. it. And that way, <laughs> but when you do that, too, it, it uh, you're you're eliminating air out of the packaging. So yes. it's not it's not just uh, it's not purely uh, form. It's functional yes. as well. And um and it's and it's minimal at the same time, yeah. Uh, which which I appreciate. Thank you. Um, so um, there's just a lot a lot of education that goes with kimchi because uh, even though a lot everyone says, "Oh yeah, I love it, I love it," mm-hmm. most most of the times people are just you know lying to you. <laughs> and they're like because they, they haven't because I'm like really, really? why right. why because <laughs> all the stuff out there is terrible, right? And so um, I've done a lot of lot of different so i do an event once a year called kimchi palooza you've been doing that for a while now this is yeah. i'm going on my 10th year yeah. uh next year will be the 10th year and so it's, what is it kimchi palooza kimchi palooza <laughs> is a celebration of all things kimchi and uh, so do you invite other kimchi makers to come i i have well i've done a i've done a, a homemade kimchi contest and a, a oh, cooking with kimchi contest fun. um when's the next one it's going to be in August 20th, 2020. Cool. Um, and DM me and gotcha. I'll connect you to Kadeem if you want <laughs> tickets to Kimchi Palooza. And, and it's free. And it's oh, okay, free. Which is awesome. Yeah. And, cool. fr- and free kimchi all day. Um, it's, it's going to be at Arrogant Swine in Bushwick. Uh, and what I really, really love about that place is it's in Bushwick and it's an industrial zone. Mm-hmm. So, um, there are no noise problems, so right. I could have bands there. Ah. So I would have I have bands performing, right. DJs. So performing. by the way, when we're talking about like, hey, brands out there, how do you? This is really helpful. Mm. So this is really helpful because we're talking about like, how do you build a cult following? Mm-hmm. And most people would say like, I demo, right? Mm. What you're saying is you brought your music stuff. Mm-hmm. And like your whole vibe, right? Yeah. And your product, and you created a festival, mm-hmm. basically around your product. Like that right. is something you did very right. It's like the the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. Right. So that's why I had a super spicy eating competition. So, because right. uh, I wanted something to you know within eighty years I could rival it. So. Yeah. So it's and it's it's growing. There's there there isn't any other like super spicy kimchi contest, and no. it's just it's just hilarious. No, it's great. And then, do you sell the kimchi at the Kimchi Palooza? I, I sell a little bit. Like that's if people not even wanted, the point. Yeah, if people want to take it home, but it's yeah. really about like giving 
giving to people, you know, giving to people that have been supporting yeah. me all these years. So a book, you know, bands that perform, uh, different DJs. So cool. And, uh, and this year was the first time I had an art competition because, oh, wow. uh, it, it's, um, kind of like a sip and paint. So, right. uh, because, um, you know, I, beyond kimchi, it's, it's, uh, you know, really promoting the things that I think are important, which is, uh, uh, health, mm-hmm good food, friends, and art. Yeah. Yeah. So how did the paste come up? Because we were talking about it, I think, before we turned on the speakers Mm -hmm. or the microphones, I guess. Um, And I was saying that, like, a lot of people that I talked to before you and I did this, they like the kimchi a Mm -hmm. lot. They can't eat kimchi all the time. Mm -hmm. But they love the paste Mm -hmm. because they can put it on everything right and it's almost like a a better juicier more savory more satisfying hot sauce essentially for them right yeah but you didn't you weren't like now i'm going to innovate to make something shelf stable or like you it just kind of came out of what well I needed a way to make kimchi more quickly and consistently. So this is a, this the, is the theme, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easier, easier, right. always easier. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, if if you're creating a, a commercial product, it has to be the same every time, yep. or you're an asshole. Yeah, you know. So that's and the way that I learned it was hand measures and tasting it so i needed a way to i was actually going to ask you about that earlier when you said like the hand testing i was like well they need formulas right 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 so basically uh we reverse engineered the recipe because you know you start out with a pound of sugar a pound of salt this and then measure it afterwards you know afterwards what what's left and then that's you know what you used so we figured out the, the the recipe from that after you know making good batches and um and then I scaled it up so that I can make it, you know, in, in larger, larger amounts than for, for one batch. Right. And so um, it, that, that's why I, I made it. That's why I called it kimchi paste. But then it's, um, it's really well balanced. And so it's terrific as a condiment, flavor enhancer, soup. Yeah. Um, and it's shelf stable. Yeah. And it's shelf stable. So this is another thing we were talking about because, you know, for all you people thinking about quitting your day jobs and starting food and mm. beverage brands, you know, I, I'm never going to say I regret having a fresh product or a refrigerated mm-hmm. product. I think it's kind of what makes us different. And I don't right. think we'd be doing as well if it was shelf stable. Right. That being said, the cost of doing a refrigerated product is a lot more. If we were making our sauce shelf stable, it would probably cost us half. Oh, yeah. At, at least. Um, and that's just the making of it. That's not including the shipping of it and the storing of it. Right. So, right. like, the margins on the product just go, like, down and down and down when you have, like, a frozen truck and a refrigerated truck and you have to keep it in a cold room while you're transferring it. So, did you... Were you like, oh, yay, psych, this is now much less oh, expensive yeah. for me to make? Oh, I was ecstatic. I was like, yeah. yeah, I've got a product, you know, that general stores can carry, yeah. you know, everyone can carry. But the the problem that I run into is that there's uh, the good and the bad of it is that right. there's no other product like it on the right. market. The bad thing is there's nothing to compare it to. Yeah. So, um so, yeah, so that, that's kind of that's the, the asset and the liability. Yeah, yeah. And that's what makes it kind of fun, because I think if you figure out what your assets are and then you like take your liabilities and look at them as challenges, you know, yeah. So where do you sit on the shelf? So now the paste is mm-hmm. in all the Whole Foods. Right. Everywhere. Right. Across the whole country. Yeah. So that had to be a very exciting moment. That. Yes. For you. That was super exciting. But to be honest, I, I thought it was going to be a one-off. I was like, all right, they're going to order this once and then that's it. Right. Uh, because people don't know what it is. Yeah. Don't right. know what it is. Uh, however, it's been, it's been doing decent. It's doing well. It's not like gangbusters. It can't be. It's, I mean, like the, you know, I think ketchup, I think the mm-hmm. national, it's like two units per store per week. 
is right. like the velocity for a condiment, right? right. That's yeah. the average. So you're not going to be like crushing ketchup. Right. But if you can just be even close, right. you know, just get, getting close to that for right. like a shelf stable condiment that people, is it probiotic? When it's like that, or it's not because it's not the fermented? No, right. it's not. It is slowly, slowly fermenting, right. but it's not probiotic. But however, because of that, I decided to uh, jump into the hot sauce realm. Right. Because that is where it's at. Yeah, that's a huge booming market. Huge. Yeah. The hot sauce market is, is larger yep. than ketchup, mustard, yep. mayonnaise, all of it combined. Yep. And there's no, like, sky's the limit with hot sauce. Like, people will like, oh, $100 a bottle? Sure. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and but, but it actually came from a, a, a need of mine where I like sriracha, but I, I just find it just too cloyingly sweet. Yeah. It's, it's just so sweet. I, I, I can't do it. Like, I don't like sweet you eggs. You like that little pickly. Yeah. I like, the, I like the tang. I yep. like the vinegar tang. I yep. want some garlic in there and I want some, a little bit of some spice, but I, I just don't deal well with the sweet. So this was kind of like my version of sriracha minus the, the excessive sweetness. So are you going to keep doing all, are you going to keep doing the sauce and the paste and the fresh fermented kimchi? Mm -hmm. And are they all, you have them all in different sort of sales? Like, do the, you don't sell, no. I'm assuming you don't sell everything direct. You probably sell the paste and the hot sauce. I like, do I do everything online. I do everything direct Even the online. fresh? Yes. And how do you ship that? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that is, actually, I just figured out a key component of that, which is the packaging. Uh -huh. But what, so what I was doing was I, I created a, uh, and this, so I've been in business for 11 years. I, I, I started the website maybe five years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and because there, there's still like plenty of places in the States that kimchi's just not available. Right. Uh, so I started, uh, I would uh, package the kimchi in these uh, resealable, you know, zip, zip stand-up pouches. Right. But the problem with the pouches is that once they're sealed, they don't let any gas escape. And so they would explode. Yeah. So I would have that. I had that problem. I had lots of lots Exploding of bags. cabbage. Explo just yeah, all over the, the, place. the post service hated me. Yeah. Probably still do. <laughs> and uh, so then my the way I figured the way around it was to create use these really bigger bags so it would have room for the gas to expand. Right. But it would still even happen with that. Yeah. And there are these things that like I've seen like sauerkraut yeah. things yes. and they put in and they're yeah. like these little like sachets or something or right like they, they go in and do they like absorb right air gas or eater air? gas yeah. eater packs but i don't i'm just not not into that because it's, it's right. just more chemicals that are right that are around your food got it and so uh the so i just switched from glass to uh these stand-up pouches with ferment vents cool. so they have vents that allow the um the the kimchi to to live and breathe awesome. without the bag blowing up and so that's kind of been the the late the the last key to, to my puzzle on right. on how I'm be, I'm going to be able to to ship uh, uh, fresh product because now right. that I, I I can make it in the bag and it right. can sit there and I don't have to worry about shipping it out that day right. before the bag bag explodes right that, that yeah, yeah that would be a relief but okay. but this took me years yeah. years to figure out I mean. Mm. I think it's very cool because you have you've got a lot figured out. You just you're like super chill about it in a way. You're kind of the opposite of a lot of entrepreneurs out there that are like, I've got it all figured out. And they have like not mm. really lived it. Um, OK, so you sell directly on your website. Mm -hmm. You sell everything on Amazon or anything. No, I, on I Amazon? don't sell anything on Amazon, though. I have seen people sell my stuff on Amazon. Weird. And yeah, uh, they they'll buy it from me, or they'll buy it from a store and then sell it on Amazon. That's weird. Um, so the stores are really your biggest, and stores. then there's and then there's food service. And yes. are you actively pursuing, like, are you kind of trying to build out as much as you can each one of those sales channels? Like, are you actively pursuing food service accounts? And yes, yeah. But it's all. Is it still only you, or do you have a team? No, it is basically just me. That's so crazy. I have people that I ask advice to. Yeah. Um, 
But, but you're I, making it all. You're selling it. Yeah, you're I mean, shipping I, it. I, I I do very little of the production now okay. because I I don't have time to do it. Right. So there are people doing production. Right. Okay. Great. Right. But like you know, marketing, direction, all all of this, and and, and you, you know, I'm not a I'm not a business guy. You know, I'm a, I'm a music guy. I'm yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we could have an argument about that, but I, I mean, yeah. th- that said, I, I'm a hustler though. Yeah. I mean, I've you You've know. got a great product that people love, and Thank that's you. pretty cool. All right, um, last couple of minutes. Uh, what's your goal now? Like, do you want to keep it going the way it is? Do you want to make it big and get it sold? Do you want to, uh, you know, what do you want to? Uh, I mean, pass it you, down you know, your... I, I, I'd lie if I, I said I didn't have a number, but right. the number's up there. Right you know, after after <laughs> all, all all the the the, the strife and and uh, you know blood tears and sweat, uh, and, and you know the whole idea of passing it down like. I mean, I didn't want to become a dry cleaner. You know, my dad tried to right. pass down his business to me and I was like, mm, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you're either going to sell it or you're going to have it when you die. And so right. it's kind of better to sell it. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. But, but, but also on the other hand, uh, I firmly believe in doing something that you enjoy. Yeah. And so you're having a good time. And, yeah. And I, you know, I, I enjoy this because it's, it's, uh, it's positive. It's it helps people and it's creative as well. Yeah, that's true. All right. Last moment. Uh, your best moment in all these 11 years, like I'm sure there've been many, I say this every time, Mm. but there, there's a moment where you're like, ah, this feels really good. And I am like locked and loaded and psyched. Can you think of one? (laughs) Um, It's funny yeah. that you say that because it's when I got into Fairway. Uh huh. <laughs> I was really celebrating. <laughs> I have the scar to prove it. Oh. But then, okay. then yeah. I sold it to him like three times, and then that was it. So, right. You know. But you know th- what? That's food in a nutshell. You gotta celebrate <laughs> the wins because it's yeah. you know it's like bad, 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 good. Yeah. Bad, 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 yeah. bad, bad, good, good, bad, yeah. bad, 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 good. And sure. you know you gotta. Uh, Should I do that again, Maddie? Do you think? (laughs) See, you think you're a musician, but I am also making beats with my mouth. Um, All right. Kadeem, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Where can people buy Mama O's? Um, I'm available at uh, Whole Foods, Williams-Sonoma, all your better bodegas, and online at kimchirules.com. Kimchirules.com. Um, all right. Thank you so much for coming on. And for those of you listening, I'll be back next week with another episode of In the Sauce. Woohoo! Woohoo! In the Sauce is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you for our freshest content subscribe to our newsletter enter your email at the bottom of our website heritageradionetwork.org connect with us on instagram and twitter at heritage underscore radio you can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network heritage radio network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better fairer more delicious place And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.